This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 87th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording via Zoom in and around Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great today, Cameron. It is a wonderful day. Um, Lots of good stuff going on with Mizzou. Kind of starting to... uh, see the beginnings of our return to societal normalcy and hopefully economical normalcy in uh, society. And I even have a a haircut scheduled for next week. So life is just really looking up right now. That's incredible. I'm doing well. Um, Yeah. It seems like uh, Springfield is going to return to some form of normalcy pretty soon. Um, And yeah, everybody can get a haircut soon. Um, today was just an absolutely beautiful day. And yeah, the Mizzou news is great. So I don't know, can't ask for much more than that. Did you see uh, Did you see the NCAA is uh, their, I don't know, Board of Governors or whatever approved um, a rule change that would allow athletes to profit off their own likeness and whatnot? I did. I saw that. Um, I also saw a lot of former players saying like, man, I played in the wrong era and stuff like that. And I saw a lot of people thinking that that means NCAA football is going to return. So I don't doubt that's going to happen, but yeah, the uh, video game, I don't know. I think there's too many, there's too many people involved in that. Uh, There's actually one specific thing that I read that said that players aren't allowed to use team images or anything like that in their in any of the stuff that they are doing to make money gotcha well it's uh certainly a nice start to probably the players getting some recognition and maybe some compensation for uh the hard work that they've been they put in year round so it's definitely a good thing yeah um more specifically with mizzou football we have some very big news and that is that Mizzou has secured the commitment of Ryan Horsecamp. Yes, among others, but uh, for sure, uh, we'll, we'll start there. Um, Ryan Horsecamp uh, is a tight end from Washington, Missouri, uh, 6'4", uh, 230 pounds. Uh, had, had definitely kind of picked up some seam in his recruiting uh process in the last uh, month or so uh, had offers from Arizona, Arkansas, Indiana, Texas Tech, and some of those have come just in the last few weeks. So, um, and the, what seemed like, um, I don't know, definitely not concerned that he might blow up really big or something like that, but uh, definitely Missouri uh, grabbed onto him in a critical time probably. So, um, he, he's definitely a very athletic tight end, a good receiving tight end. And I promise this will be the last time I, I ever say this, but it's worth noting. He is a good basketball player. <laughs> so he possesses those athletic traits that a lot of teams like in tight ends. 
Yeah, I saw his Twitter uh, header picture was him uh, after a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is become increasingly common with <laughs> tight ends. Yeah. And yeah, uh, go ahead. I think Coach uh, Drinkwitz even went to go watch him play basketball a couple times, maybe during the season. Yeah, I've said a couple times now that I like the idea of just – and this is something that Missouri has been doing for the last few years, of just kind of like um, stockpiling tight ends. and Because it does seem like there's quite a bit of variance in college when it comes to the tight end position. You know, you just, just get athletic guys who are kind of the right size and just see what sticks. And I don't know. I guess it's not – that's not – exclusive to the tight end position, but that seems to be the way that Missouri's headed and I'm all for it. And, you know, there's room for two tight ends to be successful on in one given season. So having uh, four or five of them ready to go is not a bad idea. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like you mentioned, there's uh, there's a lot of variance, uh, versatility, how you can use tight ends. And uh, Missouri already has a tight end on board uh, before they got uh, Mr. Horse Camp. And that was Gavin McKay. He's the only uh, recruit that Missouri currently has on board that isn't from Missouri. I think he's from like Memphis, Tennessee or something. But so Missouri is probably already full on uh, tight end for this recruiting cycle, assuming they hold on, but hold on to both of these guys. I, and like you said, I don't, I don't see any reason why either one of them would feel like they're, you know, their spots being, you know, in jeopardy or anything like that, because there's just um, a, a lot of room for, for tight ends. And uh, we've seen some tight ends get hurt and stuff like, in the last couple of years. And so we, you know, we've seen Missouri get a little thin there, so it's good to have uh, some good depth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned his commitment was among others. Uh, one of the other ones was Taj Butts. We talked about him last week, uh, getting a crystal ball prediction uh, for Missouri. And I don't think, at least I didn't expect that to mean he was going to be committing, uh, you know, in the near future, but uh, there he went, and he's committed to the Tigers. Yeah, that, it's a recruiting process that went very quickly. Uh, he, I think he just recently got an offer in the last few weeks, um, knew that's where he wanted to go, and took his offer when he had had the shot. And, uh, you know, he, he's pretty he's a little high, higher ranked maybe than I, I think I let on last week. Um, you know, he, he's a solid three-star player. Um, and I think a reason why he may not be even high, more highly recruited is because he's um, – part of uh, kind of a fairly crowded backfield at, at DeSmet. Um, he's, they, they run three running backs uh, uh, every game uh, pretty often. And so, and sometimes he's the third running back to, uh, to see the field in a game, but he had by far the best stats out of the three of them. But, um, you know, he didn't have a ton of attempts, but still put up pretty good numbers um, in his junior season. So on 131 attempts, he had almost 1,300 yards and 18 touchdowns on the ground. So definitely very productive and, and very efficient. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and then we buried the lead a little bit here because by far the biggest uh, announcement just came today, and that is that um, defensive end Travion Ford has committed to the Tigers. So that is one of the bigger commitments we've had in a while. Um assuming that commitment sticks and uh, he's signing a letter of, in, of intent eventually. Um, that's just a huge pickup for coach Drinkwitz and the defense. Yeah, for sure. And, and he's coming from Lutheran North who is kind of a powerhouse high school program in St. Louis. And 
Uh, they pump out Division One talent like anybody in the country, as, as well as anyone in the country. And uh, yeah, like you mentioned, it's just I, it's indescribable almost how big of a pickup this is for Missouri and for Coach Drinkwitz. And um, you know what it means for the on-field product. You know, it, it's huge, and the fact that Missouri's losing so many defensive linemen after the season, and we really need to reload there. And uh, you know, we've got two two solid defensive linemen so far coming in. And, um, you know, and just kind of the off the field stuff, just how important he is to this class in general and being from St. Louis. And we've talked about it a lot on this podcast in the past, just about the struggles that Missouri has had recruiting St. Louis in the last few years. And, um, you know, we saw certain times Barry Odom did okay. And uh, Gary Pinkle had, a, you know, a couple decent good years where he, he had a nice haul from St. Louis. But um, there's definitely been uh, some kind of, communication breakdown or some kind of uh, miscommunication over the years where we just don't get good players in St. Louis very often. And that seems to be kind of the case in basketball too, but uh, definitely football. And it's just insane what coach Drinkwitz has done in this class so far. Um, he's been here for like a few months and he's just already putting together one of the most impressive uh, group of guys from St. Louis we've seen ever, probably a top two or three uh, Hall from from St. Louis ever maybe for Missouri football so uh, it's clearly uh, a movement and guys are jumping on board. Yeah, uh, Ford in particular had offers from everybody, including Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma. So anytime you have a guy that's being offered by those kind of programs and he chooses Missouri, it's huge. Um, you talked about the state rankings. He's according to twenty four seven Sports, Travion Ford is third in the state of Missouri. Um, that's according to the 24 seven sports composite, according to just 24 seven sports, he's second in the state. Um, and then of course the number one player in the state, uh, cornerback from Dismet is going to Ohio state. So, um, that's what we're, that's what we are, have come accustomed to seeing at the top of the state rankings is players leaving, the state of Missouri and going to Ohio state, Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma. So to see a guy in the top three, you know, maybe top two in the state with that tiger logo next to his name is huge. And it's to get him on board at this point in time, um, I think can only help the recruiting class moving forward. Obviously um, when you have talented guys, you know, there, there's not a big name defensive end that Missouri's pursuing now at this point. So it's not like, it's not like there's defensive players that won't choose Missouri because they got this big time uh, recruit. I think it'll just encourage more players to jump on board if they were kind of on the fence beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Missouri is still going to be looking for some some uh, freshman defensive linemen, uh, you know, to round out this class. But I think they're going to probably have to look um, at a transfer or some JUCO options as well because they're just going to need immediate production um, at the year after this one because of how many people are leaving. So it, it definitely immediate playing time will be available for, for both uh, Mecky Wingo and uh, Travion Ford, both of the D linemen who are currently committed. So. They, I mean, that's got to be a huge recruiting pitch that you're given to these guys. I mean, Travian Ford, I mean, with how talented he is, he absolutely has a shot at coming in and, and playing a lot uh, his freshman year, potentially maybe even starting. 
which is uncommon for yeah. for freshmen, even highly touted freshmen. Yeah, especially at that position. Yeah. Um, looking at the recruiting rankings, as far as the team is concerned, it looks like that commitment bumped them from ninth to fifth in the SEC, and they're now sitting at twenty seventh nationally, and that is something that you can work with that yeah that is absolutely you know kind of what we're looking for uh, out of a mizzou recruiting class you know we've talked about multiple times how middle of the road in the sec is top 30 top 25 in the country just because of how many recruiting juggernauts there are in the sec so mm -hmm. that type of thing you know fifth in the conference around top 25 in the nation that is absolutely what you want to see from a Missouri recruiting class. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's up there with some of Missouri's best classes and um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out, uh, you know, by the time signing days here, because um, sometimes if you just have more or less recruits, um, depending on like, doesn't matter how good or bad they're ranked, you know, that can influence that, that ranking. So um, it'll be really be interesting to see where Missouri shakes up uh, or ends up whenever this is all finished but uh clearly it, it's it doesn't take an expert to uh to see that there's momentum there's some really uh a strong foundation uh to build upon and it really seems like there's going to be more guys jump on soon um there's so much talent in kansas city and st louis and uh there's there's definitely more uncommitted guys out there that i think missouri has a really good shot at yeah well, but when it was all said and done the last five seasons uh, Missouri has ranked 13th out of 14 in the SEC each of the last five seasons at the end of the recruiting cycle. Um, the last time they were not ranked 13th was uh, when they were ranked 12th, and that recruiting class uh, was highlighted by Terry Beckner Jr. and Drew Locke. So it would take a lot. It would take more, I should say, for Missouri to hold on to their um, standings in the uh, SEC uh, recruiting rankings, but this is obviously a great start. And um, even if they regress a little bit, it will still be manageable. Yeah. And, and recruiting rankings obviously aren't always gospel and are, don't always transfer uh, exactly. And these analysts are, are wrong all the time, but at the same time, they're also very good at what they do and good players uh, according to their rankings, typically bring good results and, um, it's, it's really important that, that Missouri lives, uh, a, a little bit better, a little bit higher in the rankings than they've been. Um, you know, you just, it's not sustainable to play above your recruiting rankings year in and year out. I mean, there are very few schools that can do that consistently. And, uh, clearly, uh, I have all the faith in the world for, in coach Drinkwitz to consistently, uh, kind of bump Missouri up on those rankings and I'm, I'm never gonna expect Missouri to be you know top five or top six in the SEC every year um, but if you know he can get us in that top 30 nationally you know every single year uh, Missouri I think is gonna hopefully be able to do some special things on the field. Yeah I'm just kind of looking right now the last time Missouri was in the top half of their league in a recruiting class was when they were fourth in the big 12 in 2010 uh, recruiting class that included Marcus Lucas, Coney Ely, James Franklin, Jimmy Hunt, uh, Mitch Morse, Bud Sasser, EJ Gaines, Marcus Murphy. And so we know what, uh, what happened a couple years later. Uh, exactly. You know, 
So that's the kind of recruiting class that can potentially lead to big things. And we talk about Missouri, you know, having their, their ceiling and their floor and, you know, can they just every three or four years, you know, approach that ceiling. And this is the kind of recruiting class you need to have to even have a shot at that, you know, in a, in a few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the longer that you put together some, you know, consistent results on the field and, and recruiting, you know, just helps recruiting in the future. It's just kind of a, uh, an, uh, an, a well-oiled machine that you know it's just you want it to keep running well and, uh, and the longer it shows its consistency and you know the better results you're going to get down the road too so you know sometimes you know I I tend to think that and we talked about this a little bit last week um, some of the success that you know Drew Locke and Terry Beckner had here you know help later down the road whenever we're trying to get guys from their hometowns you know we can say Drew Locke Terry Beckner came here they were hometown heroes and, um, and you can be too so it definitely uh, just continues. Yeah. Yep. And this is a, a good way to get the ball rolling. Um, I think unless you have anything else uh, college football related, uh, we'll switch gears a little bit to basketball and then finish up with uh, looking at what happened in the NFL draft. So do you have anything else about Mizzou football specifically? I think that wraps it up. All right, so switching gears to basketball. Uh, first thing I have here is Trey Jackson uh, decided he will continue his college career at Seton Hall. So good luck to him. Um, as far as a program, that is pretty clearly an upgrade for him um, as far as, you know, uh, recent success as in the NCAA tournament and you know, Seton Hall's had a pretty good run here. They were top 20 team in Ken Palm this past season. So um, mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know what that, the best players in the country. Yeah. Uh, this past year. I don't know what that says exactly. I mean, when you, when you go from players transferring and never being heard from again or transferring to, you know, clearly worse programs. Um, I don't know. This kind of reminds me maybe a little bit of, Jonathan Williams transferring to Gonzaga where it was like, okay, obviously this guy was good. Um, it just wasn't a good fit and he was successful there. So we'll see if it, if it's kind of the same situation for Trey, because um, like I said, it's, it's pretty much an upgrade in, in program for him. Yeah. I still think the jury's out, still out a little bit on him on what kind of career uh, he is going to have. Definitely super high ceiling. Yeah, I, I definitely kind of see where you're coming from on the JW3 connection. Uh, you know, Jonathan Williams had, had put together a, a, a lot more production at, in his time at Missouri than yeah, we had uh, seen a lot more out of him. Trey at Jackson this point. did. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's still true that, you know, I, I do think, I, I agree with you that he, he made an upgrade in, in program, at least at the moment. And uh, I think it's a, a program that fits his, his style of play pretty well. So it's a chance that, you know, he'll, he'll see the floor more for a better team. Uh, next year than he maybe would if he would have stayed in Missouri. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I guess before anybody gets too up in arms about, you know, comparing Seton Hall as a program to Mizzou, I'm, I'm looking at it from Trey's eyes as a guy who's going to spend, you know, um, three or four years there. I'm not maybe talking about the two programs in their entirety. Um, so, you know, there's arguments either way in that regard, but from just a player standpoint, trying to get to the NCAA tournament and be successful and that sort of thing, then that's where I think it's a, it's a clear upgrade, at least for now. 
Um, Missouri added guard, transfer guard from Hawaii, Drew Bugs. Um, we've talked about him a few times now, and it was uh, finally good to see a commitment from a guy that we had talked about ahead of time and knew uh, Missouri was after. And even though there have been other names that have come and gone that we would have liked to see, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of jarring going from the recruiting success conversation that we just had in football to now talking about basketball and the lack of success, I will say. Um, but I would consider this a win. We got a guy that we were after in Drew Bugs. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, I've read online a little bit about him and, you know, his career at Hawaii. And it seems like he was very highly regarded there and uh, very respected as a player. And, um, you know, it just seems like a guy who was going to do anything he could to try and get the team a win. And whether that was, you know, scoring or whether that was being passed first, uh, you know, he just seemed like a guy who's like he understood his role and he played hard. And I, you know, that's a kind of player that Conzo Martin is, you know, really wants in his system. I would imagine most coaches would want players like that and on their team. Um, I, I really do think that it's a nice pickup. He's going to, seems like a guy who's going to just want to come in and, you know, if he's starting, that's fine. If he's not, he seems like he's just happy to help out in any way he can. Um, you know, of course the, the only, you know, real hesitation I have about getting too excited um, about this commitment is just what it means for Xavier Xavier Pinson and um, his future with the team. But if we're looking at uh, just just the uh, the addition of Drew Bugs, then yeah, it's it's certainly something to uh, be happy about. Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth in my mind about uh, exactly what you mentioned with um, how it relates to the guards that are already on the roster or project to be on the roster, and you know, looking at um, Drew Bugs' Ken Palm profile right now, he played uh, almost 90% of minutes in conference play last year for Hawaii, uh, was number one in assist rate, and had a turnover rate under 20. So assist rate of 28.5, turnover rate under 20, that's really good. Um, uh, steals were pretty good. Uh, he defended. He was able to steal the ball well and also – was low on uh, the number of fouls called against him per 40 minutes. So I can find a place for all of that stuff on just about any basketball team. Um, it is a little bit discouraging that he only shot 40% from two um, and 25% from three in conference play. And he's not a great free throw shooter either. Doesn't get to the free throw line very often. But I don't know if maybe the staff – I guess I can kind of sugarcoat it a little bit by thinking the staff knows at the time that they're able to accept a commitment from Drew Bugs, they know they're not really upgrading any any of the wing positions, you know, to add a a scorer. So they know they're gonna have to rely on Penson and Drew Smith to take on some of the scoring role that um kind of like they did down the stretch. Um, at the end of the season. So maybe transitioning them off the ball a little bit more when they're on the floor with Drew Bugs and just allowing him to be the kind of the pure facilitator, maybe that's the direction they'll go with it. And it seems like they'll almost have to by default at this point, but you know, I could, maybe that was their mindset knowing that they didn't really have a guy that they could plug and play at, uh, at the two or three 
um, that would give them that scoring punch they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice to have some some uh, depth at that position, um, so we don't have to play Penson and Drew Smith uh, like 38 minutes a game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that there could be some interesting rotations. Uh, you know, where where these guys are playing off the ball a little bit more, and uh, like you said, Bugs is kind of the facilitator. And uh, maybe given uh, Pinson a little bit uh, more opportunity just to, I don't know, play off, play off the ball, go get some buckets in different ways. Um, you know, it w- I think it'll be interesting to kind of watch Drew Smith and uh, Drew Bugs play together because they're kind of similar in, in some ways. And, you know, they'll definitely hound you on defense. And uh, they're great, great facilitators. So they, uh, they definitely bring similar things to the table. So I think uh, when, whenever both those guys are in the game, uh, definitely are going to be playing – probably pretty hard-nosed defense. I think that'll be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I'm sure Konzo loves the idea of having both of them out there at the same time just for what it will do to the uh, the opponent's backcourt. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean... And the overall uh, appearance of our team's hair will go up as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Our hair yeah. rating. Yeah, he's got a, a pretty nice head of hair, uh, just like Drew Smith. Um, we were talking the other day about a, a video that was posted on Twitter from like a basketball skills trainer. Um, and he was talking about Xavier Penson. It was just a video of Penson shooting threes and you couldn't really tell for sure, but it looked like it was Drew Smith just based on the hair that you see, like kind of swing in from the side. It looked like it was Drew Smith passing him the ball and it looked like Mitchell Smith under the basket and it looked like Torrance Watson was there and maybe Axel Okongo, but I don't know about that. He was kind of way in the back hard to figure out who that was. But I don't know. I um, I sent you that link to that video, and it just seemed kind of interesting. You know, these, these guys obviously probably aren't allowed to um, practice together in an official capacity, you know, with the team or in the team facilities. So it looked like they were just in this random gym, you know, with like the – the door propped open to get a breeze going and uh, just getting up some shots. And uh, I would assume that X is working with some people, you know, to kind of help him with his, what he's going through with the NBA draft process. But I don't know for all those guys to be there working with somebody and just getting reps in it's, it's got me excited for Mizzou basketball already. And that, that shouldn't happen yet because we have a long way to go before it's here. Yeah. Oh man, you know, by the time the season rolls around, are we going to end up somehow buying into this team again? No. Like no, no, because no, 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 no. because Conzo again is clearly just betting on his current roster, which is exactly what he did last year. And because I mean, we tried to add some scoring, but for the most part, you know, with some of the additions that we do have, clearly are not like game changers. Yeah. Um I don't, I don't want to get into like a huge discussion about this, I guess, but <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think there's certainly pieces to, to like, but um, you seem to be uh, not, not getting too, too overly excited. I mean, I'm excited, but I'm not going to let the excitement just to, I get excited just to watch Mizzou basketball, just to see players in black and gold playing something that even just resembles basketball. So, yes, but I don't, I don't think that will make me, you know, overly optimistic. I think. All right, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, mark this down, episode 87. 
uh, 30 minutes in or so. Yeah, there's, I'm, there's no way I'm going to predict them to win more than 17 games. Did you see Bartorvik came out with their prediction? Yeah. Uh, you it's know, like assuming 44th yeah. or something. Yeah, it's like 19 and 12, but that's assuming everybody returns and yeah, uh, everybody steps up a little bit because I think and he factors healthy. in the the yeah the health and experience uh yeah. experience being a good thing, but if you've got the same mediocre players returning, I don't know. That's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 19 wins that seems too high for me at this point. But we'll see. Yeah, like you said, a long time before we actually have to make those deci- those uh, predictions. Um, anything else basketball related? Nope. So, Kyle, let's. Uh, we last week we talked about the NFL draft and the Mizzou players involved that might be drafted, probably not going to be drafted. Two that definitely are going to be drafted, and. It pretty much went as expected. However, of course, I had I went with my heart and had Jordan Elliott going in the second round, and he was there at the top of ESPN's best available with like three picks left in the second round. I really thought it was going to happen, but it didn't happen. He fell all the way to the middle of the third. But I think you said you predicted third round for Jordan Elliott, so you were spot on. I just uh, – I just wanted to see him go a little bit higher than that, but uh, we'll kick off our NFL draft recap talking about Jordan Elliott going in the third round to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, it's a nice destination for him. Um, Definitely some opportunity there. He's going to be playing with Sheldon Richardson and Miles Garrett. So a former Mizzou player and a uh, probably one of the best uh, defensive ends in the NFL. So, um, that's definitely good for an interior lineman is when the edge guys are putting pressure um, on, on their guy and getting to the quarterback. That just helps the whole D line, the whole defense. So um, they, you know, they, they've definitely got some pieces there in Cleveland and uh, you know, hopefully Jordan Elliott will, will move into a starting role in the first couple of years. That would be ideal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I was kind of looking at like, what teams needed a defensive tackle. And I mean, pretty much anybody could take a defensive tackle and it would help their team, even if it's just for depth. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I kind of always cringe a little bit when Mizzou players go to certain destinations. And um, I guess Cleveland is one of those where you're just like, ah, ah, really? He's got to go there. You know, I mean, I would rather – I guess I don't know. You want you want to see players have some success, and Cleveland seems like they might be on the cusp of something. But as producer Cameron knows, uh, we made a famously we made a bet last year on Cleveland's uh, win total, and he just had way too much faith in the Browns, and uh, so got into the hype. Yeah, I don't see I how anybody could be too high on Cleveland from here on out. But I mean, regardless, not that high, but. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Elliott, Cleveland Brown, alongside a former Tiger. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland's one of the worst sports franchises ever, so that's understandable why you would say that. But uh, maybe they're just on the cusp of something new, something different. 
And uh, I can't imagine it would be too wonderful of a place to live in comparison to some other uh, places you could go. But uh, sometimes you don't really have a choice and they're paying you probably millions of dollars to, uh, to live there. So you just do it. And we just lost all of our fans in Cleveland. <laughs> uh, moving on to the fourth round. I think I got this one right. I had Alberto going in the fourth. Um, he is going to uh, see a familiar face in Drew Locke, who he will be catching catching passes from in Denver. He is a Denver Bronco. That makes producer Cameron happy. Okay, that I don't love that. I'll be honest with you, I don't love that. But it is good to see Drew over there in frame. I uh, hope he's doing well in Denver. And he, he's got to be, at least that's one person that's got to be happy um, to see that Alberto will be joining him in Denver. Yeah, they obviously had a great connection. Uh, Drew Locke's senior year, um, they connected for a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards. Um, as a Chiefs fan, I got to say I'm a little split on how I feel about the Broncos assembling what seems like an explosive offense and – with two of my Missouri Tigers now going there, it's uh, I don't really know what to feel. I'm feeling feeling these weird feelings of not hating the Broncos that much, <laughs> and I don't think I like it very much. But uh, it's great for Alberto. I think it's a, a nice landing spot for him, and a, with a team that's probably going to throw the ball a lot. Um, you know, they drafted Noah Fant in the first round of the draft last year. Um, but, you know, I think like we talked about earlier in this episode, it's very, uh, very plausible for both of those guys to see the field quite a bit. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know, there was something interesting, something significant in the connection uh, between Drew Locke and Alberto, where he just, it seemed like Drew always knew where Alberto was going to be, you know, when he was going to be open in his route and, uh, would just get it to him in the perfect spot. And that was something that wasn't really replicated by Kelly Bryant uh, last season. Um, yeah. There were times where, well, famously, of course, in the uh, Wyoming game, uh, Alberto standing, you know, streaking down the field wide open, uh, headed to the end zone, and Kelly Bryant just didn't see him, um, you know, with the game on the line there, with a the chance to win it. And you got to feel like that was a spot where Drew Locke would have been looking for Alberto first and foremost. And, uh, I mean, how many times did we see him just kind of run right past the linebacker and the secondary just not look at him and Drew Locke just kind of loft a pass up there in the seam and just catch it right there in the end zone? Um, there just seemed like there was something special about that connection, and that's got to be something uh, to do with what the Broncos were seeing when they decided to pick Alberto. Yeah, I think we've heard some rumors that Kelly Bryan and Alberto didn't have the greatest relationship, but I do think there was a, a special connection uh, between uh, Drew Locke and Alberto. And I, I even, you know, heard that it was possible Drew Locke kind of mentioned something to John Elway uh, on day two of the draft, you know, kind of giving a little plug for Alberto. So uh, this was definitely uh, Den Denver's draft was all about what can what weapons can we give Drew Locke so we can keep up with Kansas City's offense. That at least to me, maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a, I'm a Chiefs fan, but that seemed very much what it was. Uh, it's from the Broncos and the Raiders both. They added a lot of uh, explosive pieces on offense, and it looks like uh, it might be a little bit of an arms race in the AFC West. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not unlike the Raiders to go just draft some guys that can run fast, but. Um, <laughs> It seems like, yeah, the Broncos, 
And I mean, from a Mizzou fan who is not inclined to hate the Broncos, except for what they did to the Panthers in Super Bowl 50, but we forgot about that already. So um, it, as someone who wants to see Drew Locke be as successful as possible, um, no matter what it means for any other NFL teams, um, it's so refreshing to see him, to see a, a, an organization kind of want to put the pieces around him. I mean, looking back to uh, Blaine Gabbert's career, you know, he started out in Jacksonville and it just didn't really seem like, I don't know, it seemed like maybe, you know, they, even just after one season, they were already looking to the future, you know, for that next quarterback that they could try to go draft. And it doesn't seem like the Broncos are doing that. Now the Broncos are not the type of organization to really um, commit to tanking very hard or anything like that. So, um, you know, they might be, if they were, they might find themselves stuck, you know, if they invested a lot in Drew Locke and it just didn't pan out. But uh, they seem more likely to do that than just kind of abandon him and, and tank and try to get the next up-and-coming quarterback. So, I don't know. It'll be really fun, I think, to, to watch Drew Locke, and hopefully he'll be successful next year with some, with some pieces. And um, Albert O get a few touchdowns in his rookie season. would be really cool. I know who I'm going to try to target with my last pick of the – uh, fantasy football draft. I usually try to pick a, a Missouri Tiger, so maybe he may not be there, but that's who I'll be targeting. Do Albert O? Yeah. I thought you were talking about Drew Locke, potentially. I'm like, I don't think he's going to be there that late no. in the draft. Um, yeah, I, I, it's very clear that, um, you know, that the Broncos want to put the, the pieces around Drew Locke. They see the potential, and uh, yeah, that's not always the case. Uh, even with uh, quarterbacks that are drafted highly, uh, it seems like they don't always necessarily have the pieces around them to succeed, whether that is a, you know, maybe a coaching misconnection or, or just they just don't have much talent on the offense around them. Uh, that definitely does not seem to be uh, the case in Denver. So if Drew Locke, for whatever reason, uh, does not massively succeed, it won't be because he doesn't have uh, good players around him, that's for sure. Yeah. So unfortunately, that was it as far as players that were drafted. Um, and – that's what we that's what we predicted last week. I mean, I don't think anybody was really expecting anybody else to be drafted um, on the national scene or uh, any of the beat writers or anything from Mizzou more specifically. Um, but we've got you know more than a handful of players that have signed um, uh, undrafted free agent deals. So I don't know that we need to talk about every single one of them. Uh, we did talk about all these players last week. Um, just about all of them, but I'll run through the list here real quick. And then you just, uh, you know, if there's, I've got a couple that I want to talk about in particular, if there's any that you want to speak on, we'll just go through here. So uh, two Tigers ended up with the Tennessee Titans. We have Kale Garrett and Tucker McCann, uh, Yasir Durant to the Kansas City Chiefs, Tristan Colon Castillo to the Baltimore Ravens, Demarcus Acey and Ronnell Perkins to the San Francisco 49ers, Trevor Wallace Sims to Jacksonville, and Jonathan Johnson to the Washington Redskins. That's that's everybody that I saw could have been missing one. Um, any of those names in particular stand out to you? Uh, we did forget to talk about Ronnell Perkins last week. That actually kind of caught me off guard a little bit uh, whenever he signed with the 49ers, so good for him. Uh, I think Kelly Bryant is the only guy we talked about last week that has not signed with anybody. 
Uh, I think Yasir Durant was definitely, I think I heard that he was one of the higher ranked uh, offensive uh, linemen that were still available whenever they were signing free agents. Uh, so he was probably fairly close to being drafted maybe at the end of that seventh round. But yeah. Definitely some interesting fits. I think Cale Garrett uh, going to Tennessee. Yeah, I think that, that, that could be an interesting uh, fit for him for sure. I don't think we talked about Tucker McCann last week either. Um, uh, place kicker often finds himself uh, flying under the radar, but um, definitely from a leg power standpoint and a versatility standpoint, um, it makes sense for a, for a team to take a chance on him. Um, I'm really intrigued by Jonathan Johnson to the Washington Redskins. Um, me being a, a Panthers fan, I'll be keeping an eye on them this year because they have Ron Rivera now as their head coach. And um, going back and watching uh, the Amazon documentary that followed the Panthers two years ago, um, it just kind of made me really like Ron Rivera more than I even did before that. And so I'll be rooting for him to be successful in Washington and having Jonathan Johnson there, um, you know, that's – uh, undrafted free agent wide receiver you just don't hear too many success stories but when you do they're kind of a big deal and I think from a just a physical trait standpoint he's got what he needs to um, you know make a roster but maybe just some of the mental focus and um, you know cutting down on mistakes is where he really needs to improve his game and then I think he can maybe, maybe see the roster. Yeah, I would assume that Washington is definitely a team with probably more opportunity for a wide receiver um, to make the roster than other teams for sure. So I think I can only name like one Washington wide receiver. So um, yeah, uh, it's certainly possible for any of these guys to uh, to sneak into the roster. Absolutely. Yeah, Kale Garrett was another one that, I mean, obviously you just mentioned him, but he was kind of at the top of those best still available um, lists. I did see Yasir Durant was like fourth on, I think, CBS Sports or something um, of best available after the, the draft had, had ended. So um, this all in all, you know, if, uh, if a couple of these guys make rosters and can stick around as a backup, I think that's, pretty good. that's a pretty good year for Mizzou players um, in the NFL, even if only two of them were actually drafted. For sure. Did you watch much of the draft? Uh, no. I Let me think. I watched maybe 10 minutes of the first round, and then I just kind of followed along on my phone. and and. Uh, it was kind of an interesting setup. You know, It ended up going better, I think, than a lot of people thought, a lot better than I thought. And uh, I, I, I almost feel like some of the you know team spokespeople that are making decisions actually might have liked it even better than having to like fly somewhere and be in a suit and tie all weekend you know they were just kind of chilling from home so uh i think the draft was it was uh i've heard it described as very human you know we saw a lot of the players and coaches just in their homes with their dogs and with their family and um it was it was cool it was definitely cool I i watched quite a bit of it Probably the most relatable thing I saw was uh, Cliff Kingsbury and his uh, setup. <laughs> he was his little uh, battle station for the uh, for the draft. 
Yeah, that looks and, a lot like our house, our houses yeah. here in Springfield. Yeah, he had a, fl a fake plant just like mine um, that I noticed. So it was right next to the uh, outdoor kitchen. Um, yeah. <laughs> it looked like he had about a 90-inch flat screen on his on his wall above his, like, magic fireplace. Like, absolutely gorgeous landscape outside, like, all glass yeah. wall. Yeah, I was actually surprised. Like, I felt like some of the, you know, the coaches and the GMs and stuff were just kind of, like, in a random, like, bedroom or office like you would see in, like, any normal house. Uh, but then there was Cliff Kingsbury. He was just stunting on everybody. <laughs> yeah, comparing him to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals head coach when he was making the – when they were making the first overall pick, yeah. it was just like, oh, okay, wow. Uh, a little bit different here. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's that's all I have to talk about, I think. A lot of, a lot of fun stuff. Um, recruiting season is definitely um, in full swing, and uh, you know, I would definitely expect to see a few more guys jump on board the next – a week or two and maybe we'll have some more some more additions to talk about next week sounds good to me i'll take all the uh all the recruits that, that we can get we'll take them all yep all right you can find this podcast on spotify google podcast uh apple podcast we are on twitter at missouri sports pod we're on instagram we're on youtube you can email us at missouri sports pod at gmail.com don't forget to subscribe. Um, if you're just listening for the first time, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, leave us a review if you can. Um, leave a comment. We'll, we'll reply to the first 100 comments on this YouTube video. So leave a comment and you'll, and you'll see us there. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.